White Castle, six packs, ribs, four racks, extra cheese, I'll take that. Might fuck around, have some Chick-fil-A, eat whatever I want, it's Darren Strong's epic cheat day. Tune in and hear what I have to say, you're listening to Epic Cheat Day. With your host, Derek Strong. You have your phone on, I have my phone on, we are recording right now, I'm just letting you know that. I... Uh, I have the menu from the place I ate at yesterday. Oh, <laughs> now we're talking. On that note, guys, welcome to another episode of the Epic Cheat Day Podcast. I'm your host, Derek Strong. Sitting across from me is one of my co-producers on the hit show at the Laugh Factory. And we're saying hit because even though we're recording this before the show actually happened, uh, we're assuming that everything's going to go great and phenomenally and uh, because it is. And that show is called All You Can Eat at the Laugh Factory that happened on 919, which is the future for us, but the past for you guys. And his name is Jeremy Drasner. Jeremy, say hi to my audience. Oh, this is coming out after the show that it I is came coming here to out. Wonderful. That, well, I mean, so here's the unfortunate <laughs> part about that. So, well, it's either I put you up for on Tuesday or I put uh, Justice up on Tuesday. So it's really I'm gonna let I'm gonna let you guys as, figure out as which long one as one somebody's promoting the show i don't care well that's the thing so yeah we're definitely promoting the show the show is going to be promoted multiple ways like so i've been promoting on the episodes leading up to it i've been uh we talked about it a lot on justice episode and uh of course you know uh, through whatever other avenues that i have for promotion uh we talk it up um I, can I do two episodes in one week? I think I might do two episodes in one you week. You can do whatever you want. I can. It's my world. It's your world, too. And I know that you've been talking about it because I listen to the podcast every week. He listens to the pod, faithful listener of the podcast. Jeremy I'm one Drazen. of the 83. One of the 83. That, that, that's such a, there's, it's such a poetic number. You might, you, you're definitely at, at least 85 by now. I think so. Yeah. Last time I checked was that it was in the nineties. So oh, yeah. look at you, Mr. Big timer. I mean, listen, I'm just trying to be, I'm just trying to do my thing. That's all it is. Uh, let me go in here and we're going to start by naming the episode, which I'm pretty sure this is going to be delightful. Uh, Jeremy, what is the greasiest meal you have had all week? All right. So I wouldn't say it's the greasiest, but. As you know, Derek, I've been yeah. dieting. Yes. So I only have one unhealthy meal, maybe two a week. Okay. So I went to this place called Lulu's in Evanston. Ooh, tell me about been, Lulu's in Evanston. This has been my favorite restaurant since I was a kid. Yeah. It's like this Asian fusion type restaurant. And I understand some people don't like Asian fusion. Yeah. Um, but it is so good. And back when I was a boy, it used it was in the heart of Evanston right by Northwestern University. And they had an all-you-could-eat day. Really? Where you paid a set amount, and you could order as much as you wanted off of the menu. Do they still have this? Um, they don't. Fuck. And it's, oh, I would have done it. My mom done it tomorrow. used to tell me when I wasn't doing my work at school that I should work harder so I could come go to Northwestern and eat at Lulu's every day. I love that. And I was oh. like, I guess I will do my homework. Like, that's a really <laughs> great idea. And then I took the ACT and I uh, knew incentive. I was not going to get it to Northwestern. <laughs> <laughs> but I do love the incentivizing of it. So you went to Lulu's and what did you order at Lulu's? All right. So the first thing is maybe my favorite food in the entire world is their peanut sesame noodles. Peanut sesame noodles. I love All peanut right. According noodles. to their menu, it's yeah. ground peanuts sesame paste scallions and radish sprouts love it it's these like really thin cold noodles love it and i've never met a peanut noodle i didn't like and this is like the apex of peanut noodles i want to go there just for these peanut because i'm a huge fan of peanut noodles all right this is probably the greasiest one okay that was their spicy crunchy chicken just drumsticks yeah twice fried with sweet and spicy red chili sauce. I love it. Oh god. When are we going here? Like why are you I will go anytime. So it's the the peanut sesame noodles and what's the spicy what's it called? It's called the spicy crunchy chicken. Spicy crunchy chicken. And if you think that was the only thing I ate, you are wrong. Oh, there's more to this. Okay. I also got the spring rolls. Spring rolls. And the yasai potato croquettes. So which was basically fried mashed potatoes in panko crust. Spring rolls and potato. I mean, I, I have to. Uh, I have to limit the characters, so I'm going to just. I'm going to end it's with a the spring rolls. Yeah. It's a lot, and it's respectable too. And I'm glad that when you, you do could, an you epic could call it the Jeremy Drasner special. I love it. 
I love it's that. So is that like your standing order when you go there? It's just like I'm going to get these items. I already know this. I'm going to get this every time. That's what you mean when you're there. So Lulu's had some financial difficulties even before COVID. Oh really? Okay. And they they ended up closing and then they reopened. Yeah. And right now, just because like they're short staffed and all of that, they have a pretty limited menu. But they used to have like these crab wontons. Yeah. That were insane. Those are really good, and their pot stickers, yeah, were so good. See, and that I, I didn't want Chinese food before, and now I want Chinese food. Yeah, and I particularly want this crunchy chicken, and I want these sesame noodles, and I want four orders, and I want them in me right now. Yeah, and like the sesame noodles come in a giant bowl, and yeah. like, there's so much, and you kind of just have to eat them by chewing it, like. There aren't a lot of pieces. They're just like really long pieces. Oh, come okay, together. yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so it's in like, other words, yeah, yeah, yeah. You're not, you're not. It's it, it's not a subtle meal by any stretch. You're not eating this delicately. In I, other words, I dated someone who lived right next to Lulu's. Yeah, and I think I scared her away by her watching me eat there. That's phenomenal. That's that's when you know you're eating at a good <laughs> restaurant when you could terrify another human being by you eating there. My role is if my shirt's still clean. Yeah, I did it. You did it enjoy much. as much. Yeah, totally. Well, where do you stand on barbecue? Because barbecue be arguably one of the messiest, especially messiest American cuisines out there. Oh, look at this. Look at this. Speaking of, look who liked our uh, ad that we have running on the gram right now. I did not see it. Okay, but it was uh, it was Curtis from the Laugh Factory he liked oh. it. And like the level of promotion that we have going on right now. That's great. So, yeah. Um, and, uh, yeah. And you know why it's okay if I don't put your episode on before this all-you-can-eat? Because it won't don't. be the only all-you-can-eat. Oh, okay. That's I thought you why. were going to do the bit where you told me that Curtis doesn't know who I am. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, it makes me so sad every time you do that bit it i acknowledge it's a good bit but it still makes me sad uh, well i mean listen so Cur- so for my listeners who don't know curtis is curtis is the uh he's in charge of the laugh factory he books all the comics at laugh factory final say on that um and uh so i was uh busting jeremy's chops and saying that oh yeah that curtis likes me and uh the other producer uh, Jess Martinez of all you can eat, but he has no idea who Jeremy is. And Jer- even me t- explains to you the look on Jeremy's face of just displeasure at what I'm saying right now is incredible. It does so, make me sad. Um, I, I would say that we should have filmed the podcast, but I feel like we're doing it in Saddam Hussein's bunker. So. <laughs> That's great. Well, actually, no, we were. So I was actually going to set this. I was going to set the room up for filming for today, but we didn't get everything together in time. No problem. Um, I have n- always have these high expectations of what a podcast studio looks like. Well, equipment every wise, time it's a, in someone's living room. Well, like, I mean, here's the thing with this one. It's just like, okay, give the aesthetics aside, like the equipment wise, this is some of the best equipment really I've nice. ever worked with. Yeah. Oh yeah. And I got to say, yeah. I'm a big headphone fan. Yeah. These are incredible headphones. Oh my God. Aren't they? Yeah. Aren't they? Like, yeah, this is really weird. relatable content for the people who can't see us. Totally. And also, you know, really wanted to learn the nuts and bolts of the fucking, of how the sausage is made with podcasts. Yeah. Notice okay. how I have to bring it full circle back to, you know, sausage being made have, and have you ever seen, all that other stuff. Have you ever seen a sausage and or salami or hot dog get made? Absolutely. I love it. It's it, fascinating. It's really me. intense. It is intense. Uh, interesting enough, like, I mean, because even though it's not technically a sausage, it's still made kind of the same way. Watching haggis being made, you know, the Scottish dish where it's uh, shoved into a sheep's bladder and then boiled. Uh, and it's just like a whole bunch of just like inner meat. Just show it's very similar, but it's like they have to do it by hand. There's no machine that's forcing it in the way a sausage would. So when I was at camp going into my 10th sophomore year of high school. Yeah. My unit went to Postville, Iowa. Have you ever heard of Postville? Not at all. All right. So Postville, Iowa has your typical Iowa people who live there and a ton of Orthodox Jews. Love it. And at in Postville, there was a kosher slaughterhouse. Really? And we took a tour of it. And in the beginning of the tour, we, like, had to put on, like, the hair nuts, the jacket, like, shoe covers. But it started 
at the packaged food. And I was like, oh, this isn't so bad. <laughs> and, then, and then, like, we get to the part where, like, I see this giant machine just making salami and hot dogs. I was like, wow, that machine looks like it's taking shits. Like, yeah. this is so gross. Yeah. And I was like, all right, this is probably the worst thing we're going to see. <laughs> and then I don't know how much you know about, like, the kosher process. But well, my, uh, after the animal is murdered, yeah. someone has to check the insides to make sure it was healthy. Yeah. Because if the animal was diseased, it's not considered kosher. Yeah. And by and, the way, that's uh, I just wanted to just make a, a slight segue real quick before I get because I would definitely want to hear about this kosher slaughterhouse. So, like. You know, it's with both uh, um, with both um, uh, kosher and halal foods. The reasoning behind it, even though they are associated with the religion, but the reasoning for like that that the for our people to do the to do it that way was for health reasons. The reasons why you didn't eat pork yeah. wasn't because it was just like oh they're the animal of God. No, it was because pig was uh, before uh, you know uh, even in before the, the FDA they yeah, before diseases. the FDA they carried an insane amount of diseases well, and it was you can die from eating pork. You which know? is the same reason. Yeah, um, we don't eat shellfish. We're not because supposed to eat shellfish. Is because shellfish are bottom. Feet. They're bottom feeders and they're, you know, they're, you know, they, if you eat a shellfish, like you have a higher potential for getting disease. So, and these that, are more and that feels reasons. very Jewish being like, I don't want you to upset your stomach. Just eat the cow. Okay. Enough. <laughs> you know what? You can have some chicken as well, but the, enough. The, you don't need the pork. Yeah. I'm, you know what? I'm sure the rump is delicious, but forget <laughs> it. And, and by the way, me and Jeremy are both pork eating Jews. We, uh, it, yeah. we do it. So All right, um, I'll, I, I won't tell my grandma to listen to this up. Okay, please don't tell <laughs> I, I, By the way, I made a mistake. Jeremy does not eat pork. He lives a kosher life. He's living the kosher yeah, loca. I'm, I'm very pious, Bobby. <laughs> uh, just fast forward past this part. Yeah. So at this kosher slaughterhouse, the chickens were dangling by their feet, no heads, and you could see their intestines. Wow. And one intestine went loose. And it whipped me across the face. <laughs> and I was like, oh, shit. And I was like, this is the worst thing that's ever happened to me. And uh, so we go into this other room and the tour guide's like, OK, this next part's a little intense. You don't have to go in if you don't want to. More intense than getting smacked in the face with an intestine. I, could, I was like, what could be worse? Yeah. And then all of a sudden above the door, I see this counter. And it's going so fast. And I like. Did it in my head. I was like, this is 63, whatever, yeah. in a minute. And I look in, and I just see these blades moving super quick. Yeah. And a conveyor belt of chickens dangling from their feet. Oh, my God. And I was like, I am not watching them get their head sliced off by the dozen. Like, this is going to traumatize me. 63 a minute. My yeah. friends who went in yeah. came out covered in blood. And I was like, this is... A nightmare. I was gonna say this is your summer camp experience. Jesus, it was Christ. a Jewish summer camp. Jewish summer camp. Wow, and they wanted you guys to grow up fast, huh? Are, are, are you ready for the best part of this whole story? Oh, it gets better. <laughs> After the tour, we went to a kosher Chinese restaurant in Postville, Iowa. Love it. Where they served us chicken. Love it. I love and it. And I was like, I literally just saw this guy die. Like. <sighs> I mean, I still ate it. Of course. And it was probably very fresh. This was and, in 2007. Uh, yeah, 2007. And I still know people to this day who are vegetarians because, because of that, of that experience. I, that, I, I could see why that, you know, for a lot of people, why that would make them um, of the vegetarian uh, inclination. Oh, my God. Variety, I, inclination. A variety, inclination. Well, so here's the thing. So I had, I, I really haven't eaten all day and because um, I thought I was going to have dinner plans and my dinner plans aren't happening and it's, now I would eat a turkey. So I, yeah. You would eat a full, a whole turkey. How, like, I, I think my worst uh, or my bad, not my worst, but my best was because I'm a dark meat kind of guy. So I would do the leg and thigh of the turkey for Thanksgiving. And then one time also I was just like, all right, let me circle around. Let me get some breast meat on there too. Uh, Have you seen a turkey in the wild? What do you mean? Like in in life? No, never. So I always thought turkeys were like these dignified animals. Yeah. Because the way that they're portrayed in like Thanksgiving cartoons. Absolutely, are like yeah. Big, bushy, yeah. like beautiful feathers sticking out, yeah. always smiling. Yeah. And I, I worked in the Northwoods, Wisconsin at the summer camp. Yeah. And there were like wild turkeys who would run around uh, 
like the the road going up to it. Yeah. And they like were skinny, gray, and stupid. They're like, oh, oh, like they were wow. like, they were no just like dignified. right in the middle of the street, yeah. like. Oh, oh. I was like, I don't think I ever want to eat a turkey again. Like, <laughs> you guys are a real bummer. Yeah, I mean, yeah, and you're right because they the way they look, they look so regal. They have the like the 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 flowering like tail feathers and all of that. Like, I want to know what private school these dignified turkeys are going to because they're not in that part of Iowa. And, yeah, <laughs> I mean, in Illinois, Wisconsin, Wisconsin, yeah. I just lumped together three states. I feel the Midwest like it's it's that's very East Coast to be like yeah it's in the Midwest it's one of those. But, uh, okay, so this is this, this is no joke, but like um, I went to Tulsa, Oklahoma, and I was just like okay, but this is still the Midwest, right? And they're like, well, technically it like touches on a bunch of different areas. I'm like, all right, so if you're from New York, if it's Oklahoma. It, it's like if you're not in New York and you're not in L.A., it's the South kind of or Seattle, like everything else is the South. So it's like when I heard like Arkansas, Arkansas is definitely the South. But like Oklahoma, I'm like, that's the South. I just associate all these things with the South. I would also say that. Which is definitely not. But outside of Chicago and like the Chicagoland area suburbs, yeah. a lot of Illinois feels like the South. Yeah. Well, I mean, a lot of New York yeah. feels like the South outside of New York City. New York City is a little nugget. And then New York as a state is a big fucking state, yeah. you know. So, uh, yeah, I mean, that's, you know, that's. I think that's true of a lot of places, you know, you, you know, especially if, you know, we're used to being in a city environment, but it's just like, no, most of the country isn't that. I went to, I went to college in central Illinois. In oh, Peoria, really? In okay. Peoria. Peoria I, went Bra- yeah. I went to Bradley University. Now, Peoria is, a, Peoria is an actual city itself, though, right? Yeah, it's, yeah. A, it's a pretty nice city for being in a central Illinois. Central like, Illinois, you think yeah. like, oh, there's nothing to do in central Illinois. My yeah. sister went to U of I in Champaign. Oh, wow. And that, like, felt like a very college town. Got it, yeah. Where, first of all, Bradley's only 5,000 students, so it's, like, a pretty small campus, but they have a, like, really nice uh, outdoor life in Peoria, but um, it was pretty conservative, and there was a congressman, Aaron Schock was the congressman in Peoria, and I don't know if you remember this, he was kicked out of Congress for, like, using taxpayers' money to redecorate his office in washington to look like downton abbey stop and he used taxpayers money for his like advisors or not advisors like his interns to see a Katy perry concert stop. and he offered me a job in college and i thought i could have gone to see a Katy perry concert for free like i love it yeah i love that that's fucking awesome yeah. oh man so, as you can see, Jeremy knows a little bit about uh, cr- how crooked and fucked up politics are. Um, let's see here. Hold on. Let's have to make sure I'm giving you my complete and undivided. Um, you you can text while I while we're doing this. Unfortunately, that's the problem. Is that like I've and I've it. it I don't know why because I tell people when they ask me what I'm doing on this, but I mostly record on Sundays and I mostly record batch episodes. So it's just like it's all yeah. two to three people on that I'm recording with. And for some reason, no matter how many people I tell that to, there's always people who figure, oh, OK, you know, it's a great time to hit Derek up right in the middle of these fucking things. Yeah. So that's true. Maybe you should like start posting, posting on Instagram like, being like rec- yeah. recording day, recording day. Yeah. Yeah. You know, uh, Look at uh, me. I, I need to I need to upgrade this fucking thing to video. I mean, that's just there's just the next next natural step. I know? think that'd be great. I mean, you know, the thing is, like getting this room set up uh, for video. I, I mean, I'm guessing what we could do is we could move the table a little bit and put a green screen over here and then set up the camera over there with the LEDs. Yeah. And then, you know, you put whatever fucking background you want. Um, this but- is going to be way better conversation with video because you've just been pointing over there oh yeah that's right this is a (laughs) non-visual format as we've just stated so i'm just pointing basically i'm pointing out a pointing around a room from saw and uh from the film series saw and uh basically i've been pointing out places to put cameras and other light array and all that other stuff to make Th- it so that we do thankfully a there is a hand sanitizer on the table there though. is i mean th- and you know what this is filled with Hopefully hand sanitizer. I've been pumping it a lot. I was going to say it's uh, vanilla extract. So you know. Is it? Well, actually, if it was vanilla extract, I mean, that has a high alcohol content. So, I mean, it'll do some level of antiseptic work I love, on you. I love the smell of vanilla extract. Oh, yeah. Well, I know. So at Juul, this is a very true story. I was working at Juul. 
we would have this one guy who would come in and he would go and we would have some very, we would have some well not expensive globally but expensive by grocery store standards expensive uh um vanilla extracts and some of the, like the more expensive vanilla ex- extracts have higher alcohol content so we would have alcoholics who would come in and uh they'd make a beeline for the extract section and they would just fucking drink a bottle of the expensive extract Derek yeah that's insane yeah oh the most insane thing i saw was uh somebody coming up to the register trying to buy cooking wine cooking wine is still alcoholic you can't buy it after alcohol hours the only difference between cooking wine and regular wine is they add salt to it. And the reason why cooking wine even exists is because uh, chefs would salt their wine to keep people from drinking it. That didn't stop this guy who came up to my register at 4.30 in the morning trying to buy cooking wine while drinking one of the bottles of the cooking wine. I feel like if you really needed alcohol that much, yeah. they don't care about the taste. Yeah, oh, well, I mean, he clearly didn't. I mean, yeah. people will drink the Listerine and the fucking, uh, yeah, because yeah. that has alcohol content. In well, it, I do so. that to clean my insides as well. Oh, well, that's, uh, no wonder why you have such sparkly clean insides. Yeah, I was my, intest- about that. my intestines smell so good. I mean, all the time, I mean, me and Jeremy compare pictures of our intestines all the time, and it's, uh. We actually got colonoscopies together, and oh I was like, God. do you see how minty fresh it is in here? And like, it's just like, yeah. this is amazing. You could see it. You know what, you know when you see the visual of when they just try try to explain they try to express visually what minty fresh looks like and it shows the sparkles that's what this man's uh my colon his colon it sparkles um, yeah what's uh, what's the there's a a word for the upper part of the colon and it's such a great word just sounds great phonetically and i can't remember what it is uh it starts with the d and uh but anyway the dude the duty the maker. Du- the duty maker it's a, the scientific term is duty maker I, and um, i wish yeah. doctors were more fun where like there was one medical term that was ridiculous yeah like, yeah like if you hurt your penis be like yeah. It's a it's a pee pee fracture. It's a pee pee fracture. It, yeah. It's a wee wee fracture. like something like that. Something yeah exactly and it has to be like that level of childish. Um so, I would have been a good pediatrician if I knew anything. You'd have been about an science. amazing pediatrician. I have the feeling, I get the vibe from you that you're great with kids. I mean, you're terrible with everybody else, but you're great with kids. It is. Yeah. I am. Well, I I am a teacher. We don't need to talk about it, but no, I am a but teacher. like so, you yeah. know. But like, even if you weren't, like, I would be like this. Oh, okay, well, you know, I I. I he he knows he knows his way around a kid. That does not sound right at all. I am loopy tired right now. Yikes! So, um, um, but, yeah. People tell me all the time that I would be a good father because of yeah. how good I am with kids. Yeah. And I always remind them that that's not a reason to become a father. Yeah. Just because you're good at something doesn't mean you should do it. That's true. Like, I'm yeah. good at improv, but I don't perform it every week. Exactly. Well, oh, do you want to talk about some of your comedy background or uh, go into that? Or do you just want to just keep free? You just want to just keep freeballing this. Do you want me to direct this? Derek, do you want this me to is put your this, show. I was going to say, I'm well, just I mean, excited to hang with you. You know, I like hanging out with you. And you and I always have great con- conversations. I want to keep a conversation. I like when we meander and f- f- like fumble and fall into just natural like ways of speaking anyway. This so. is the longest you and I have talked where one of us didn't cyber bully the other on oh, Instagram. We, we, we're, pretty, we're pretty merciless with each other in person and on Instagram when it comes to the roasting. And I think I figured this out is because, you know, it's there's a comfortability because it's like the same. We have similar vulnerable points when it comes to it. So it's just like it's kind of like this. OK, well, what would I say about myself? I would say this about this guy, you know. Yeah, I mean, like we're both fat Jews. Who we're both fat Jews. Not, yeah, not like the number one choice for someone to date. Totally, and you know we have a combined we have a combined total of thirteen chins. So it's uh you know I it's it's a hold, lot. Hold on, you only have two though. So what's <laughs> I mean you can do the math on that. I mean, that's, that's pretty rough. That um, is uh, that's pretty rough. That's fairly that's fairly fairly direct there. Um, shot fired across the bow. Let's but, see where but this roasting goes. is my love language. Yeah. Like. I and by roasting, nev- he means, you know, you know, potatoes, po- potatoes. Yeah. God damn it. You're faster than me. Today. Um, this is this is rough. No, like if I'm teasing someone, you know that they're my good friend. And yeah. if I don't like them, I just don't talk to them. See, that's well, that's a good way. So, guys, yeah. if you want to hang out with Jeremy and he's roasting you, uh, that's a good sign. Well, you ever have like two people from differing sides of an argument both message you at the same time about random things like that? No, love that. Tell, say their names. 
and None what the them. argument is about. <laughs> I love that. There's a litigator coming out of Jeremy Drasner. We all, all Jews have a bit of litigator in them. They have a bit yeah. of litigator. They have a bit of accounting, uh, a hefty dose of neurosis. Would you agree with, with the statements that I'm making? Yeah, I think so. I think, uh, I'm j- yeah. I mean, let me ask you this. Do you think if things were different, you would, you would, do you think you would have made a good litigator? I wanted to be a lawyer in really? high school. Oh, wow. I okay. took a class called Constitutional Law where yeah. we basically learned courtroom procedures and then we were given a case and we had to learn how to cross-examine, do opening and closing statements, what the objections meant, and I loved it. My dad was a lawyer. Oh, yeah, okay. And so him and I would like practice in the living room. Oh, that's awesome. And I thought I wanted to be a lawyer. And then my senior year of high school... um, my dad like sat me down and said, you would be absolutely miserable as a lawyer. Like you are not the kind of person who could just sit in an office for hours on end without yeah. talking to someone. He was like, you do all this work with people with special needs. Like you got to become a teacher. Yeah. And I was like, but I hate school. And he was like, yeah, but you're in charge now. Like of the classroom. Yeah, exactly. It's so not things, you. Yeah. You're not taking a test anymore. Yeah. So you're the things you didn't like, you could change the culture of school. Well, I like the way he framed that too. I mean, because that's like yeah. that's something that people realize that you actually have like a great, uh, you know, a great. Well, I mean, people know this, but you know, you have a great effect on uh, on people. But saying it that direct like that and framing like that, I think, is a great way of doing it. It's just like, no, you're on the other end now. Well, that was a much nicer conversation than uh, we were supposed to have. We had a meeting with my guidance counselor. Yeah, and um, we had to take a career aptitude test. And both my parents came to the meeting. Yeah. And this was like to figure out what colleges I was going to apply to, what yeah. I was going to major in. Love it. And I, w- I went to a school called Stevenson High School, which is like one of the best in the country. It's really big. There's like 5,000 students there as well. My college was smaller than my high school. Oh, wow. Okay. And you were supposed to come in with an idea of what you wanted to major in. And I had no idea. So they took out my career aptitude test. And it said that I should either be a... Um, funeral home director stop a teacher or a priest <laughs> wow. and i looked at the guidance counselor what a what a spread on that like yeah. jesus christ well i looked at the guidance counselor and i was like well i'm jewish yeah and my parents were like i don't think he's smart enough to make a decision on his own <laughs> like, that's not th- they're like you c- that just means a religious leader they just put down priests i was like i, just, I don't know <laughs> that's funny that is great um yeah what was it oh fuck i was gonna say something like that but uh, i think yeah. i would have loved being a funeral yeah. home director well i mean i think it's great though too also that your uh that your dad had that conversation with you about law because my dad my dad isn't a jew but like he sat me down when i came to because he was a doctor and he sat me down when i was a uh, Maybe about six, seven years old. I was like, wow, dad, being a doctor is fascinating. You know, well, six years old, I wasn't using the word fascinating, but oh my God, I want to, you know, it's something I want to do. He sent me on. He's like, listen, the one thing I want for my kids is to not become a doctor because it is the, in not so many words, like it's the fucking worst. And it wasn't until I got older that he was meaning just like, you know, the whole, the business side of medicine is the absolute drizzling shits and and people don't people don't realize it but like you know just just like ordering supplies for for medical supplies is a fucking nightmare so yeah yeah i'm i just think that we don't really prepare children as yeah. well as we should be totally about career paths yeah and like it's i i was 17 my senior year of high school i yeah. was like I, I couldn't even think about like teacher salaries at the time yeah, and being like, well, I do it for the kids, not for the money. But like, I've never had a landlord who was like, hold on. Did you make a difference this week? Exactly. Yeah. It. Like <laughs> I didn't, I didn't realize Billy's reading levels. Why not? Right. <laughs> Such an amazing teacher. Um, yeah. I just, uh, I, I, I totally agree with that. I also think too, I mean, I think cause my mom was the one who was just, uh, who was more, uh, about like, listen, I want you guys to do what's going to make you happy. It's not going to, it's not about what makes us happy. And it's just, you know, I mean, that's great mom, but I, I'm going to be institutional. And this is before, I, <laughs> before it happened, but I was like, that's great. But when, you know, you're in high school and you're already institutionalized, it's like, 
okay, so there's no career path now other than get well enough to not be institutionalized. That was yeah. the career path. And, um, and I'm sure with yeah. like people finding out and the, st- yeah. to stigma, the stigma behind it. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, one of the uh, so my, the reason why I do part of the reason why one of the main reasons why I do stand up comedy is like when in my early 20s, like I was dealing with, you know, that was like the brunt of me dealing with my mental health stuff. Um, and like, I would, ha- I would delusionally assume that anytime I heard somebody laughing, like on the street or wherever they were laughing at me. And part of the reasons why I developed like the sense of humor, the way that I did was that I, it was like my way of getting control of it. It's like, okay, well, if I'm saying things that are making people laugh, they're laughing at the things that I'm saying and not laughing at me. That's interesting. Yeah. I started doing comedy because I was at a school that I was like pretty upset miserable at yeah and my parents knew that i loved comedy like growing up i didn't listen to a lot of music i yeah. just listened to comedy albums in the car and like i listened to some music like i really like musicals yeah so i listen to musicals a lot but like any books i read was about comedy um like i watched every comedy central presents oh my dad great. and i used to listen to john panette and jackie mason albums oh, in the car I love john panette and yeah me r.i.p john panette my dad would see him every time he came to zany's love it and like they had pictures together john panette signed a headshot for him because he always recognized him from the shows yeah and it said like to my buffet buddy <laughs> and, like, my dad loved it and i remember the first time i did zany's my dad was like, John Panette performed on that stage. He was like, yeah. and I was like, Dad, it's just like the Tuesday Time Showcase. It's like yeah, a big yeah, deal. Yeah. He was like, it is a big deal. Yeah. And he was like, don't let your, don't shorten yourself. Like, this is really exciting. Yeah. And I was like, okay. And like, he like was taking a bunch of pictures during it. He like, oh, I love, I love how supportive your dad is with your comedy. Wow, my whole family, cool, my whole huh? family is love it. I'm really lucky. Like when I used to do shows at like the Second City Theaters like, yeah. that they rented out. My family came every week to wow. the shows because they helped so much with ticket sales. And, like, they knew that one week mom's Mahjong friends might come, so she had to be there. But she don't ever want anyone to go alone. And, like, the first few shows, I, w- I would say all the shows, w- would not have sold out if it wasn't for my family's support on it, which means a lot. And, like, I talk about this a lot with other producers where – yeah. The first big show you have, everyone will come. Yeah. And Which, that, knock on wood, this is going to be my yeah. first big show at Laugh Factory. So hopefully everybody comes out to All You Can Eat. Uh, and yeah. if it's funny, they'll yeah. come to the second one. Yeah. If it's not funny, I would say about 70% of the people who came to your first show come to the second yeah. one. Just because, you know, it's still cool. Like, they're excited that you're doing comedy. You're following your dreams. Yeah. But if the second one's also not funny. Yeah. You see a huge dip in it. Well, that makes sense. And I mean, so, yeah, they gave I, you the, they gave you the freshman's benefit of the doubt or whatever, or what's that called? The, yeah, you know what I mean. And so I became so obsessive with like making sure that these sketches were good, yeah, and that the people who were in the shows were good. And you started off with sketch comedy and improv comedy. No, right? I started off with stand up. Oh, you did? Okay. So I started doing stand up in yeah. August, and about a month or two in, um, I went to see my friend's show. That he was doing at Second City. I didn't realize it was a writing sick show. Yeah. We were just so excited that he was in it. And the whole time. You want to explain what that is? So at Second City, they have the writing program. Yeah. And so writing one through four, you learn the basis, the basics of sketch comedy. You learn about all the different types of sketches, what makes a sketch funny, um, how to write, how to rewrite, all of that. And then for writing writing five, you need to apply to be in it. And... You just need to write a sketch. Yeah. But they need to know that you understand the formatting, you understand how to write a sketch, you understand everything about it. Yeah. And then in writing five and six, you learn how to pr- make make and produce a show. Oh, wow. Okay. And so I went to my friend's show, and my friend is so funny. His name's Jordy Blunner. He still does comedy in Chicago. Yeah. He is a killer. Love it. A big sketch comedy. And I keep saying love it. I, I'm just at a loss for words. And the whole I, time I was like, I think I'm funnier than that person, that person, that person, and that person. And I was talking to him afterwards. I was like, so how'd you get involved in this? And he was like, I took the writing program. I really loved it. Like, you should check it out. Um, 
And I was like, okay. So I did the writing program thinking it would help me like learn how to do stand-up jokes, not even realizing that it was sketch comedy. That is great. And we're all introducing ourselves and like everyone's like, hi, my name's blah, blah. I'm here to learn how to write sketch comedy. I'm like, what the f- what's sketch comedy? like? And, <laughs> and then I was like, hi, my name's Jeremy Dreisner. I've been doing uh, stand-up for like two to three months now and just want to become a better joke writer. And the teacher looked at me and said, just so you know, this is not a stand-up comedy class. I was like, it's not? <laughs> he was like, That's a way to find out. He was like, no, it's sketch comedy. And I was like, oh, like SNL? He was like, yeah. I was like, oh, I love SNL. I'll, I'll stay. And, so I was like, <laughs> and I ended up really enjoying sketch writing. Yeah. And my writing, aid te- my writing one teacher was like, you're pretty good. If you're interested in doing things at Second City, you need to take improv. So I signed up for the improv program and I finished the writing and improv program. And I was like, all right, this is exciting. And then I started like writing and producing shows there. And I always thought, I always said that, like, I think I'm a better sketch comedy writer and performer, but I love stand up more, if that makes sense. Totally. So, totally. Well, I mean, I've seen you perform stand up, and you're no fucking slouch when it comes to that. You are damn funny. Oh, thanks, Derek. In the stand up realm. Matter of fact, and I feel bad about this too, so I'm going to call bullshit on myself. We went to laugh after we did the open mic together. You gave me like this great praise after my set, and I did not return the favor after yours. And I genuinely believe that you had a better set than me that night. I did. He did. He did. <laughs> I'm just he did. No, I. It, it, it was. Uh, I. I had a great. I. My open of that set was great, and then I. I flubbed it at the end. You know. Yeah. I have been. I. My eyes kind of stink. Yeah. And the whole time I that was fucking on, light there. Is the whole time ridiculous. I was on stage, I kept looking for the light. Yeah. And I finished my set, and I was like, I pretty much know how much time there is. I was like, I think I'm at two fifty, but I. I don't see the light. I don't. Yeah. And then I realized I'm I'm partially colorblind. Yeah, I can't differentiate a lot of colors. Yeah, that the spotlight and the light, the light, 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 yeah, are so similar in color. Yeah, that I wasn't able to differentiate it. It's and tough, and then the music played. Yeah, and I was like, God damn it! I was like, <laughs> it was going so well. I all I wanted was for the music not to play, and then I was selfish and I did one more joke, like. But Listen, it's it's all right. It was a good joke. You did at least end on a high note. You got a laugh from it, so that's good. Yeah, and then like when the music stopped, I like didn't even finish the show. I was like, "Thank you very much," and I put the music back on. So yep, I put the mic back in, but it's fun. I I love stand up, but I also I think- mean your last joke was good. I I I'm why am I blurring too many memories of too many things? I don't know. I'm just very tired. Right but now. I also think that like learning how to do sketch comedy. Did that help? It helped so much. So what? What in particular helped uh, crossing over from the sketch world over to the stand-up world? Just was it the process of writing itself, or was it thinking more creatively, or what was it? In sketch comedy, yeah, there are very few places that you can do like an open mic for your sketches. Yeah, that's true. And so you need to like practice a lot in rehearsal, but also do a lot of writing and rewriting and really figure out what's funny. And you learn opening night of your show if a sketch works or not. That's I mean that's a lot of pressure though on that fucking on I'm that sketch. A mess leading up to a sketch show. Okay, my fam- my family has found ways to distract me. Yeah. The day of, because I like can't eat beforehand. Like when I get like super anxious, my stomach gets all messed up. Yeah. I can't eat beforehand. I get so nervous, and then like. Well, as stand-ups, we have the benefit, like you said, of being able to workshop yeah. and being able to be like this before we go into a show. It's just like we can, we're knowing if this is going to work or Could not. Could you imagine yeah. doing this Laugh Factory show and, and every joke you are about to do, you've never done in front of an that'd audience? That'd be brutal. Yeah, that'd be insane. You've done it like for friends. Yeah, You've totally. done it in your living room. Yeah. But this is the first time in an, an audience, audience has seen this joke. Yeah. That's the pressure sketch comedy for yeah. you. And- like when I'm on stage, I don't think of it. Like I know when there are laughs, when there aren't laughs. But when I'm off stage, I'm like a lunatic. Yeah, I'm pacing back and forth. I'm like, like, like messing with my hair. I'm so anxious. I'm like, is that a laugh? Did they laugh at that? Like, did they think that was funny? And I'm like, if someone like misdelivers a line, I'm like, that's not how you're supposed to say it. Like, come on. <laughs> so, but that's that helped me so much with stand up because. Yeah. I work on a joke for 
weeks before I put it out. And really? I mean, before you even workshop it in a mic or? There's sometimes when, like, I'm really excited about a joke where yeah. I'll say it at the mic just to see if it works. Yeah. But I do, I do a lot of writing and rewriting. Like, my notebooks are just filled. I, I double space my jokes. Yeah. So I could write in the margins. Makes all different it. jokes. I, 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 I like cross things out all yeah. the time. But. Yeah, there's a there's a I, it wasn't until I actually started writing down because I do it after the fact. It's like I'll get the idea from the joke. I'll record the idea. Um, then I'll work on it. Once I've worked out, once I've mic'd it like maybe two or three times, that's when I go into my because I have a spreadsheet set up where I type it in. And it's like I'm like, OK, now I can edit it down. And like in that writing process, I'm just like, oh, my God, there are so many extra words. Or why did I phrase this like yeah. this? You know what I mean? Where I'm seeing it like. You know, but the reason for me recording it in the first place is because I want to make sure that I know the tone of it, that, you know, the way it works in my head versus because when if I write it out, I'll always forget that in the process for whatever reason. Yeah. Without actually having to hear it. But I also found improv helped me a lot with stand up. That makes all the sense in the world. You know, before I like really started taking those improv classes seriously. Yeah. Problem is like improv A and B, you're like playing zip, zap, zap. And you're learning like object work, and it's pretty fucking miserable. Yeah. But then once you like start getting into scene work, I real I learned that when someone heckles me, I just treat it like an improv um, set, and I am able to use the skills that I learned through the improv program to deal with hecklers. Yeah. To do crowd work. Oh yeah. I mean, I used to never do crowd work because I would just get so nervous about forgetting my set list. Totally. And now I love doing crowd work and the confidence from take from like learning how to improvise has helped that tremendously. Oh, yeah. And uh, I, you know, I know some of the people who are, you know, in our scene that, you know, they're like crowd work specialists. I know mean, what they do as they do have like they do have pre-written jokes for different scenarios. Like if they see a group of people together, they have stuff written. But the way they weave it into their crowd work, yeah. it sounds like so extemporaneous. And you're like, holy shit, like where did you whip that one out from? And it's like, no, 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 these are preloaded, but it's just they saw the right scenario and they were able to play yeah. to that. Um, you know, and I think, you know, that. I mean, when I saw, because I didn't know that until just this past year when I saw a comic do a bit and then, which was a crowd work bit. And I'm thinking, because I'm thinking it's all just improv, right? And then I saw it again. I saw it again in a different environment. It's like, oh my God. That's why he's so good at crowd work because he has so many different jokes written for so many different situations that when those situations come up, bam, he's got something right then and there. But he's also great at improvising and stuff, too. you got to be able to do both when you do crowd work, in my opinion. Yeah, when I was yeah. hosting uh, the open mic that I host, the Stretch Open Mic on Stretch Thursdays. Open Mic Thursdays, Wrigleyville. It was like the day the Cubs traded away everybody from the World Series team. Why'd they do that? I don't know. Uh, you're a sports guy. I'm not a sports I, guy. But. I'll be honest. I'm pretty underwhelmed by baseball. Really? I used to like it a lot. And then I was like, I suck at baseball. It's pretty boring. Like, And then when the Cubs moved to the marquee network, I was like, fuck that. Like, What's I have the a, marquee network? It's like this new network to watch the Cubs games. Wow. I don't know where to get it. Like, Well, in New York, they did that. Well, they've always had the MSG yeah. network. So that was like, that was probably the equivalent. That's where you yeah. watch like Rangers and Knicks games. And I was time. like, I'm not. And then, like, the Rickets with Trump and all that. I don't know what that So the Cubs that. owners are the Rickets yeah. family. And the older brother was, like, the head of fundraising for Donald Trump's campaign. Oh, wow. That's a, you know, yeah, so, yeah, I can understand you being a little bit a little bit uh, hesitant about wanting to be throwing your support behind that. I yeah. That. I, you know, I, I usually take my Bubby to the Cubs games. Yeah. And for... The Goyim listening. Bubby is Yiddish for grandmother. For grandmother, yeah. And her and I had and this... And Goyim, by the way, Goyim is non-Jew. Yeah, yeah, I had this conversation with her being like, I don't oh, know oh, how I feel about... Hold on, real quick. What's a female mensch? I think just mensch. Really? I don't uh, think it's like mental or anything. Oh, wow. I always thought it was just uh, specific to a man. I've only, well, I've only heard anybody call men menches. Wow. I know. I know. Now that I think about it... Yeah. yeah, usually menches. Yeah. Wow, that's pretty. That's pretty sexy. A menchet? <laughs> no, I. I. Th- you know, Hebrew is yeah. the gendered language. Okay. Where there's a different word. And menches Yiddish, men, right? And menches Yiddish. Okay. And menches like a combination of, of German, German, Russian, and Polish. Which yeah. 
But of course, it's adopted by a lot of people who are Jewish because it's where a lot of the Jews migrated to. And yeah, um, appropriated by fucking Ted Cruz. I was just gonna say <laughs> what? Anytime I see Ted, <laughs> oh, Cruz I was gonna say, say that, but I didn't know Ted Cruz uses men. Ted Cruz uses the word chutzpah. Stop. Anytime I see Ted Cruz say chutzpah, yeah, I just want to fly to Washington and just go like this. No, <laughs> I. I, How dare you? I hate Ted Cruz in the old school way of everybody hating Ted Cruz. And now that he thinks he's one of the popular kids. Yeah. And he continues to say chutzpah. Ugh. Oh, God. Ugh. Oh, I'm making, I make, I'm making, so I just, I got a notification. I'm making a little bit of money with my crypto investment right now. So Did you invest in cryptocurrency? That. Yeah. So, uh, I, so here's what happened. I got a little taste for it earlier this year. And then I got sucked into the whole meme stock thing, lost a shit ton of money with that. The and NFTs? I, the, well, I, not the NFTs, with, uh, with uh, GameStop in particular. I invested in it way after I should have. And I ended up losing a bunch of money with that. So I sold, I sold the stock at, and, at a loss and then took that money. It was just like this. Okay, let me see what I could do with crypto. And then uh, I put money into Dogecoin and then I ended up... Uh, uh, altogether for the year up $150 and then I instantly sold and it was just like alright deleted the app from my phone I don't need to do this ever again and then I got sucked back into Doge and uh, Shiba Inu which uh, Shiba Inu is like it's it's a it's a quote unquote joke coin um, but it's so cheap that right now I have 10 million Shiba Inu coins um, because it's so it's like it's like you know 0.00000007 cents right uh, for one coin. But if so, it just goes up a little, you'll... Exactly. If yeah. it's worth one penny, then I'm a millionaire. So if it gets if it goes up to that... And by the way, Dogecoin was in a very similar space not too long ago where it, it was that many decimal places to the right and then it just shot up in value. So there were people who became millionaires overnight. I have a fraternity brother who is like really into cryptocurrency. Yeah. Like this is his job now. Yeah, I mean... He, well, I mean, he, he does investing in cryptocurrency. Yeah. And like... You know, a lot of people a lot of people so made much. fun of him in the beginning, but yeah. he is making money. Yeah. And like I just don't I would never I don't invest in the stock market either. Yeah. It's just like the investment world is so um foreign to me. Yeah. It's still far completely foreign to me. But I yeah. look at it so yeah, I'm glad you brought it up about it being foreign because the way I look at it, it's like the same thing as buying like a scratch off ticket. Yeah. You know, it's like, okay, well, people are talking about this thing. It's just like, oh, okay, if I could see that little, like, squiggly line, like, oh, historically, it's making such and such money. It's like, oh, well, this might be a good time to buy it. And, like, am I right or wrong? Who knows? But, like, if if I do make money, that would be great. I love a good scratch-off. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh. We, yeah. we used to do scratch-off lottery tickets at my grandparents' house on, like, ho- holidays and Shabbat dinner. I love that. That's yeah. great. That's a great way to spend Shabbat. Well, I went to Jewish school from kindergarten to eighth through eighth grade. Not a surprise at all. And um, when I first grade, second grade, the rabbi at the school did an activity with us, and he we had to go around and say our favorite Passover tradition. And so they got to me, and I said, "My favorite Passover tradition is doing lottery tickets at the end of the seder." <laughs> my parents got a phone call. Oh, well, I yeah. would expect so. But like, my grandfather was also is also a rabbi. Oh, and like, really? Very well respected in the community. Wow. And they're like, "Is this Rabbi Rosenberg that you're scratching doing lotto tickets, or is this his father's family?" And I was like, no, it's a rabbi. I was like, uh, <laughs> and like I, I got home and my parents were like, you can't be telling people that you're doing scratch off lottery yeah, tickets. Yeah, that's good though. Oh, I, I, I won like $5 on a scratch off once. Yeah. And we used to do Passover in Florida. Yeah. And my aunt kept making jokes that she was going to steal it from me. <laughs> and so I hid it in a newspaper and I went to go swim and I came back to get find my lotto ticket and i could not find the newspaper and so i'm like zadie where is the newspaper and he was like i threw it out and i started screaming like you threw out a million dollar lotto ticket Uh, and five dollars to a kid is a lot of fucking money it was a lot of money and i was screaming like i was like how like have you seen goodfellas yes you know what like the wife 
flushes down all the cocaine. Oh, yeah. He's like, like you flush all the coke! <laughs> like, that's how I was. I was like, I you threw out the money. newspaper! This is my life saving! Like, <laughs> uh, you know what, though? Appropriate reaction. I co-signed it. My, I think that's it. My family still talks about it 24 years later. And they they bring it up every time. And it's because they're not as funny as I am. And they can only think of one bit. That's great. Yeah. That's good. I, uh... Um, I don't know why I'm bringing this full circle to food, but, uh, you know, um, just a slight segue just because two. Let's talk food. Let's talk food. I mean, you know, why, might as well. It's the Epic Cheat Day podcast. You're a fan of the show. We have a show called All You Can Eat with people who are passionate about food. Is it might as well or mine as well? Might. All right. I've been saying might as well forever. Yeah. And someone was like, it's not might as well. It's mine as well. Mine as well. And I was like, what? Does that mean mine as well? Yeah, they're like you know, might as well do this, and I was like, no, but you might do it. You might do it. Might right. as well as in maybe. Uh, okay, I I'm glad that I was right. You were right. I, I, I mean, right. you know, um, what was the one where I I've been saying around? Oh, uh, when uh, East Coasters we say stand we we say stand in line instead of saying stand online. Or it's I, I don't know if it's the reverse or not. I think it's reverse because I think in you Chicago, guys say stand say, in line, right? Yeah, and yeah, we say stand online. Why? Don't know. It's just a, just a, so these bad boys right here. So what I'm showing Jeremy a picture of is I've been looking for these for years, and they're Brock's turkey dinner candy corn. Now these things are. Here's the reason why I got them. Okay, it's not. And by the way, I cracked open a bag. They're rare. I've been looking for these for years. Okay, this iteration they added the uh, coffee apple pie flavored ones to it. But here's they've been around for years. They come out in very limited quantities. You could sell resell them for like twenty dollars a bag online if you so chose. I I looked into doing it. I'm like, okay, this is going to be way more way more of a hassle than I want to deal with it. Uh, Plus, there's a good chance they're not going to get sold because there's not that many uber nerds out there who know what this is and uh i cracked open a bag this morning it's one of the weirdest things i've ever eaten and yeah. i've eaten i i've eaten oaxacan grasshoppers are uh, you a regular candy corn fan i mean yeah i have my but i don't i haven't eaten candy or any sweets in months but like when i did eat candy like i, I i'd have a hankering for candy corn can this is very upsetting yeah. Um, do you eat it one at a time, or could you do a handful of candy corn? I uh, do a handful. Like, but it, it held on. It depends though, because like I don't know if you've ever seen the uh, Brock's. They had the uh, uh, mini candy corn chocolate covered peanut combo. Have you ever seen that? Because no. that uh, okay. People who don't like candy corn, give it a second try. If you see this this uh, mini candy corn chocolate peanut conver- uh, uh, combo, because for some reason, I don't know what alchemy is at play in there. It's one of the best tasting things. Well, I think candy corn's an acquired taste. It is. And when I was younger, I didn't celebrate Halloween. Yeah. Because I went to Jewish school. Yeah. And to discourage us from dressing up on Halloween... Our picture day was on Halloween. Oh, those crafty yeah. motherfuckers. We we celebrated Purim, which is like Purim, which is yeah, when Jews dress up. But isn't it, that's in the springtime? It's in the springtime. It's in yeah, April. Yeah. yeah. And then hamantash, and of course, is being served during Purim. That's like the big treat for. I love those. I love hamantash. Me too. I uh, my god, I uh, hamantash is a fruit filled pastry, um, and. Uh, they're pretty big. Like, you get them in different sizes, but like they are the normal ones, a fairly big size thing, and it is delightful. What What's your go to hamantash and flavor? Uh, well, when I was a kid, it was uh, apple, and then when I got older, I liked the uh, fig. Wow. Or I'm sorry, date. Wait, no, is it date or figs? Which they, is the, they the, have both. They have both. So, which one did I like? Oh no, 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 no. When I got older, it was the poppy seed. That was the one that I fucking poppy liked. Seed. Yeah, the poppy, poppy seed. Poppy seed. So. I have always been an apricot only hamantashen guy. Apricot, not apple. Fuck me. Yeah, apricot. That's what I liked when I was a kid. I think there is nothing more disgusting than yeah. a poppy seed or a fig hamantashen. Yeah. And I made this a Facebook status last yeah. year, and it got a lot of flack. 
What was it? That I think the fig and poppy seed hamantashen mm. were made to calm kids down during services. <laughs> like they got their hopes up. I'm about to eat a cookie. Yeah. Take a bite. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I got a lot of flack for it. Yeah. But my friends, Daniel Olson and Ben Goldberg, got married to each other. Yeah. And Ben just became an ordained rabbi right before his wedding. Yeah. And his favorite food are hamantashen. Wow. And they convinced. I don't know why ba- I said wow to that. They convinced this bakery in New York that like are his favorite hamantashen to make them. Yeah. In the summer for their wedding, and they served it for in the dessert line. Yeah. And I was like, I I can't stop talking about it. I think they got married like four or five years ago. And it was that good. I was like. These hamantashen were so good. Yeah. Did you try? Did you fuck with the poppy seed one at that? I I wouldn't even look at a poppy seed. Wow. If if I like the texture, I like that little crunch that the poppy seed gives. Man, I'm, I'm a fan of that. Let me tell you how I feel about poppy seed hamantashen. Uh, go ahead, hit me with it. If my blood sugar dipped to yeah. the point where I was about to faint, and you needed the you and I needed eat. some type of carbohydrate to yeah. raise it, and the only thing in the room was a poppy seed hamantashen. I would rather lay on the floor and wait for it to kill me. See, now that's, it's funny you should say that because I know you're a fan of gefilte fish. Like, I feel the same way about gefilte fish. Like, it's like, it's, and I've eaten some really, really weird foods, but like gefilte fish, like just, I don't know what happened when I was a kid. I, I have a vague memory of just eating it and like violently throwing up when I was a kid or something. Like, I know some violent thing happened with me gastrointestinally and it's just like, if I smell it, like I gag a little bit. Have you seen somebody make a filter fish yeah. before? <laughs> That'll do it. That'll do it. It's I gross. have really done my job in never watching someone make it. Because you're, you're a good, wise man. And wise because man. so many women in my life who have made a filter fish wanted to protect me. And they were good people. And so they usually will just buy it in the store because it stinks up your house, too. It does. We call those people it's really angels. Yeah. yeah. It's a, it's a, well, I mean, Jewish food, a lot of it is very well, intense. I've kind of been working on this as a bit, but it can only yeah. really be done for Jewish audiences where being like, I think one of the reasons I got so fat was because I had such a good personality that all of my friends' moms loved me. And <laughs> of course they want to feed you. And they all had fat husbands. Yeah. And so they didn't care about like anyone's looks or anything. And they're like, you're perfect. Let me let me feed you. Let me feed you. And they just <laughs> everyone kept feeding me. And they're like, oh, don't even worry about how fat you are. Like, you're so cute. Like, don't even worry about it. And then like the girls that I knew were yeah. religious also. And so they saw their fat dads and yeah. their moms. This were is saying what a man cute. looks like. Yeah. yeah. And, like, and then I went to college and then I learned pretty quickly. <laughs> and, uh, that's a that's a tearjerker right there. Yeah. Um, it's a real bummer. I. So I like went through a phase over the pandemic and I put on a bunch of weight because of this where I I got obsessed with chocolate babka, right? Um and it's still to this day, like if I do eat desserts again, that's gonna be one of that's I'm gonna main. I love chocolate babka that much. And unfortunately the only place that I found that sells it year round and they do a decent job of it is Trader Joe's. Trader Joe's chocolate babka is a decent it's not great, but it's it's it, it'll get you by. Whole Foods only during the holiday season Interesting. has a mean chocolate babka. I feel like there's some bakeries in Skokie where you can find a chocolate babka. I'm sure. I still have not like journeyed me, deep into Skokie. You and I are going to go on talk, a journey. Let me talk to my people. We'll find you a good babka. Well, I mean, now I'm I'm steering clear of that. But you and I have to go to an actual fucking kosher deli in Skokie. Yeah. I, well, I told you that we'll do the Triple Crown. Triple Crown. We're going to go to Emma's, which okay. is the kosher Orthodox Union certified bagel place. Okay. And so I got, I it, it's dairy, out. though. Yeah. So which is why. But yeah. the bagels are so good. Now, in a dairy, uh, in a dairy deli, they could sell. They sell, of course they sell lox because that's not. Yeah. yeah it's not they're, conflicting with kosher law. Their lox cream cheese is my favorite cream cheese anywhere. See, and this, uh, this is stuff yeah. I need to learn. This is stuff you guys need to learn for the Epic Cheat Day podcast. By the way, if you ever want to contact me, hit me up at the Epic Cheat Day podcast at Gmail, Facebook, uh, Instagram, Gmail. I mean, nobody wants to use the email address. Please send me an email. I've gotten maybe three emails the whole time that I've been pushing this podcast, but it's fine. You know what? We're we're a growing brand here at the Epic Cheat Day podcast. 
Um, so we'll go to Emma's we will for the kosher food. For the kosher food. And just to be around. Yeah. The, it's a And they have a really good bakery. We'll get you back on sweets. We're going to... Oh, please, God, no. Then we'll, a, that's what, that, that was like quitting fucking... Name a harsh drug. Yeah. That was like quitting it for me. It was just you, so brutal. You know, now that I cut out so much of my sugar consumption... Yeah. I'm like, wow, it really makes me feel terrible. Yeah. it. Does, I mean, like, I've one thing I noticed is that the other thing, too, is that I noticed when I... Especially because I wanted to, like, try these candy corn. Yeah. You know, that was... Like, I really just don't... Like, anytime I'm craving anything sweet, I'll get fruit, right? So when I'm eating this, like, I had to get past the fact that, okay, I don't like sweets anymore. But, like, just flavor-wise, they're so bizarre. Yeah. You know, um... Oh, and... Oh, that's what I wanted to tell you about. I wanted to tell my audience about this. So this place... That I went to yesterday with Dario Durham, a mutual friend of me and Jeremy's. Uh, we went to this place called Beard Belly in what? Edgewater. Beard Belly. They have a breakfast burger and they have a breakfast brat that is out of this world. That sounds really good. It's basically they put like breakfast stuff. The breakfast burger is a cheeseburger with a fried egg, cheese, and they put four sausage links on top. Um, Holy shit. And it's it's delightful. It's good, but the sausage is a little bit overwhelming for it in terms of the flavor yeah. profile. The broad is one of the best foods I've had. I love Dario. Yeah, he's awesome. He's such a good guy. He's awesome. And great like, guy. We had a great conversation. We were there for like two and a half hours just talking. Yeah, he's just, and he just is like the best hype man. Oh my god! I've I've never energy wise, Jesus Christ! I've I've never done a show. Yeah, with him. Yeah, where. He went before me, and I didn't kill afterwards because he got the energy he just up pumped so me, much, and yeah. he pumped me up. I was yeah. like, "God damn, like this is yeah. fun as hell." So cool guy. That sounds really oh, good. Dude, I I can't recommend it enough. It's just it was that good uh, uh, an experience. Like that was really really one of the highlights of my week food wise. Well, then we'll go to Kaufman's for deli meat. Which was uh, Kaufman's, by the way. Here's what yeah. I like about Kaufman's. Kaufman sells tongue. Tongue is my favorite deli meat. Yeah, I do. I do a tongue. I do a tongue chop liver mustard on rye. That's the Derek. That that's the strong good. style. Uh, that's the strong style sandwich. Kaufman's right has that old school Jewish deli feeling. Yeah, with their menu. But it's not kosher. It's not kosher. It's kosher style. By the but, way, by the way, just want you guys to take note of it. There's a difference between a kosher and a kosher style deli, which there are plenty of fun. Kaufman's is a good example of a perfectly fine yeah. uh, kosher style place. We had, when we we me, Jeremy, and a bunch of other Jews and just uh, Martinez, our other co-producer, we went to Manny's about a week and a half ago or two weeks ago now, uh, which is a kosher style deli. Yeah, and you know, one of the benefits of kosher style is you still get that feeling of like eating at your grandparents, like going to synagogue and getting like those types of foods. But the prices aren't as insane as kosher restaurants. Yeah. Because like the Chicago Rabbinic Council, the Orthodox Union, all of those places, first of all, there are a lot of rules in order to maintain a kosher restaurant. Yeah. That has nothing to do with your restaurant. Yeah. Like, the mashkiach or like those kosher supervisor needs to keep Shabbat. Really? And like you can lose your kosher license if they find out you broke Shabbat. Wow. And it's very expensive to get it. It's like a liquor license. Yeah. Like it's very expensive. And so the prices at kosher restaurants are very high. Because they have to compensate for the fact that, you know, they have and, to maintain kosher. I, I And so like in Chicago, the most of the kosher restaurants are yeah. either really nice. Yeah. Or they're like... These like fast food type like Middle Eastern restaurants and stuff. Yeah. Where it feels like quick food being made. Yeah. But it's eighteen dollars for a shawarma. Like it's yeah. so much money. And you know, for some people who keep strict kosher, it is one hundred percent worth it. Worth it. it. And uh, yeah, by but, all means, like yeah, if you're like yeah. I remember going with my friend because I was like, Oh, this guy keeps kosher, like we'll eat at this yeah. restaurant. And he like walked in and he saw the prices and he was like, all right, well, let's, 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 let's. he was like, let's it's just go man, to a different restaurant. Like, <laughs> man after my own heart. Yeah. Um, well, we're going to close out on and that. And then New note. York Bagel and Bialy. Oh, oh, my God. New York Bagel and Bialy. If you're in Which Chicago. Which is my favorite place. My God. Like, I went in there. You could ask uh, Pratik and Jason about this because Jason took me up there. And I'm literally going back and forth around. It's not that big a place, but they have so many options. And it was just like every Jewish treat that I love is kept in this one place. It's 24 hours. It's in That's Lincolnwood. the best part. 
And like honestly, like I've been looking for a good bagel since I moved to Chicago, and that for up until right now, that's still the best one that I've had. Jeremy says that there's going to be a better one that we're going to have, but uh, so first of all, New York bagel and Bialy, they make the bagels like yeah. they make them in New York. Yeah, and it's uh, I it was the, the I cool, love Chicago. Yeah. I love Chicago. Do yeah. not get me wrong. It's not a bagel city, but it is not a bagel city. No. There are there are some places that make amazing bagels. Yeah, but like. They're in the suburbs. Yeah. And, but New York Bagel and Bialy is the closest place in Chicago where you can get a phenomenal bagel. You can go in there and be like, what's hot? And they'll tell you. And like, it's just so good. Yeah. When I was younger, we'd like go to my grandparents for like Shabbat dinner on Friday nights. And if it wasn't like very good, we'd stop at New York Bagel and Bialy on the way home. And I like always pump me up and be like, we're getting big. <laughs> like, I love it. I know people who have season tickets to the Blackhawks. Yeah. It's like these people that I went to synagogue with growing up. Yeah. And their tradition is after every game, they stop at New York Bagel and Bialy afterwards. That's amazing. Guys, if you're in the Chicago yeah. area, please visit that. Jeremy, where can my listeners find you on the socials? All of my social media is yeah. at jdraz92. jdraz92. So Twitter, Instagram, all of that. And I'll be putting it in the description as well. Jeremy, thank you so much for sticking around. This thank is you it. for co-producing. We're it. We went through this, man. We did uh we did a little over an hour, which uh it's a lot a, of fun. It was a good episode. This was a lot of fun. I'm so glad you stuck around, and did the podcast. And again, if you uh it's gonna be the second all you can eat show, knock on wood. It's gonna be the second all you can eat show, which should be coming up uh uh, shortly, um, and then in episodes coming up, we'll be hyping the shit out of it. And, uh, of course, I'm going to have you back on um, at some point. We're going to you know, be hyping the shit out of this show. Let me know. Uh, Even if we're not hyping up a show, I'm yeah. happy to come back anytime. Happy to come back. We're probably, you know when we should do an episode after we hit up uh, Skokie and do some kosher deli, or even after we do uh, Kaufman's? I'm happy to always eat with you, Derek. It's always a pleasure. Always a pleasure and always a pleasure doing the Epic Cheat Day podcast. Guys, take care.